Hi, I'm Christian Brindle, and welcome to the Everything Medicare Podcast. What's up, everything, Medicare Podcast Nation? This is Christian Brindle, wherever you are and however you might be listening to me today. Thank you so much for taking the time. And we are officially in August. We are officially in August. And I really, really probably feel um, much older than I am (laughs) when I say this. Um, But I just can't believe that we're already in August. I really can't. It just seems like the year just started. And we're already more than halfway through the year. Well, we've been that already. Um, But happy August to everybody. I hope you had a fantastic week last week and a fantastic weekend. This is episode 212. If you're unfamiliar with the show, my name is Christian Brindle. I own and operate an an agency called Christian Brindle Insurance Services, where we discuss your Medicare, your Medicaid, your Social Security, and everything that has to do with that golden age called retirement on this show, the Everything Medicare Podcast. And we work with people on Medicare of all different situations in 10 different states. And folks, today we're talking about a topic that we have talked about on this show before, but there have been some new developments that I thought would be interesting to share with you. So the White House, supposedly, last week, as a matter of fact, was in the process of signing a bill, which the last bill supposedly didn't go through or something like that. It's so hard to keep up with it. It seems like there's new information about it every day. But they were in the process of signing a a final bill or, or an executive order or something along those lines to lower the cost of prescriptions for um, seniors on Medicare. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Medicare has a lot of positives to it for someone when they get onto Medicare. Typically, the premiums are going to be a lot less than what you're accustomed to in most situations. Usually, the medical coverage is going to be head and shoulders better than what you're accustomed to in most situations. But where Medicare typically is going to have the weakness is going to be on the prescription coverage if you take any prescriptions that are at all expensive medications, like an insulin or anything of that kind. Um, And that's because of the coverage gap formerly known as the donut hole point blank. It's a horrible, god-awful program um, that, in my opinion, is only there to protect the insurance companies and also the pharmaceutical companies and kind of stick it to the person on Medicare. Why beat around the bush? That's what it is. It is. And every single plan in the Medicare world, whether it be a Part D prescription drug plan that goes with a Medicare supplement or whether it be a Medicare Advantage plan with prescription drug coverage, comes with the coverage gap built into it. And in a nutshell, we've done so many episodes about it on this platform, but in a nutshell, what it does is once you reach a certain amount of total cost of your medications in a year, they have the percentages you pay typically will go up. And you pay 25% of the cost of any medication, and then you have to pay through the nose to get out of it, and it resets every single calendar year. So even if you do get out of it and get into the catastrophic coverage portion of things, 
you're still in a bad spot. If you want to know every little detail about these different stages of drug coverage in the Medicare world, go back and listen to episodes we've done about it before because I'm not just I'm not going to spend too much time on it today. I'm not going to get into it more than that, but that is the reasoning behind the thought of lowering the prescription costs, which you know, on paper, the first reaction to it is it sounds like a great thing. But like most things, this is not exactly a black and white issue. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But first of all, I'm going to read you an article um, that was put out by a website called The Politico about basically what 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 has transpired. And it was put out on July 24th. Um, and it goes something like this. So it says, President Donald Trump on Friday signed four executive orders aimed at slashing high-priced prescription drugs, a campaign promise he has yet to fulfill. This is t- clearly a political magazine. I'm not trying to make it political. I'm just basically trying to tell you what's going on. I could care less. Um, the orders announced at the White House this afternoon demand that U.S. health agencies end global freeloading on U.S. innovation through lower pharmaceutical prices and eliminate rebates that drug makers pay to Medicare Part D plans. The article continues, The four orders I'm signing today will completely restructure the prescription drug market, Trump said in a speech, harking back to his 2016 campaign promise to slash costs. But the ambitious plans are rife with limitations. The rebate order comes with a caveat that any plan cannot increase seniors' premiums. The unworkable problem that led the administration to kill its original rebate last year. And while Trump called and so-called favored nations rule linking seniors cost for certain prescription and physician administered medicines to lower prices paid abroad, the granddaddy, quote unquote, of the policies announced today, he also promised to drop the plan if pharmaceutical companies could present a better option within the next month. Pharmaceutical executives are meeting with the White House on Tuesday, which I believe I believe that's already happened. I'm not sure. Um, maybe not. The orders are not immediately enforceable. Health officials have been working on ways to implement some sort of proposal, namely guidelines for states to implement import, importation plans. But it's unlikely that any could be finalized before the November presidential election, partially since they have most favored nations plans would not progress for at least a month. A third order will encourage importation of cheaper medicines by states, wholesalers, and pharmacies, an effective, an effort already in the works since last year, a fourth direct clinics that a fourth directs clinics, excuse me, that qualify for steep pharmaceutical discounts under a government program for low-income patients to pass savings on insulin and EpiPens directly to those patients. But it, w- it, w- it will only apply to about 1,000 community health centers, not to hospitals that are frequently flagged as diverting the discounts away from the patients toward other programs. The article continues to say later on that the cabinet was a bit torn on this, and that's why they haven't been able to really get something in line. And also, they have tremendous backlash from the pharmaceutical companies. Tremendous backlash. And the 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 pharmaceutical companies, I can't say pharmaceutical, 
the pharmaceutical companies have more money than God. Let's face it. And so they can dump that money into fighting whatever's going on because it would take a hit in their pockets dramatically. I did an episode about this and my thoughts about it earlier on, but I'm going to reiterate some of those thoughts and give you my updated opinion on this topic because I do think that it's something that's important and something that needs to be talked about. And I I definitely think there's a problem in place. I acknowledge that there's a problem. Finding the solution is a bit more complicated because of all the different factors. Folks, I have to take a quick break here from this week's sponsor. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. I'll tell you my thoughts on this in segment two. Be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for sticking with me through that break. Let's talk about what we need to talk about. Point blank. This is segment two of two of episode 212 of the Everything Medicare podcast. And let's talk about this little discussion in terms of slashing drug prices and the argument against it. If I was going to play devil's advocate and talk about what could go wrong, this is what I foresee. Now, I'm not saying that it's not a problem. I'm not saying that it's something that should be ignored. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be something that's done about it. But I think it needs a creative solution, is my point. I don't necessarily think that it's such a cut and dry thing. I don't think it's as simple as just putting a cap on the drug prices. The the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies are not dumb. They're smart. Let me explain. The best way I can explain this is so. I think this has a lot to do with the whole Obamacare um, thing, the whole Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. Um, if you really look back on it, it's been, what has it been, a decade that we've had the Affordable Care Act? And it's really been kind of a travesty, if you really think about it. Not to get political with you, but it's just facts. I mean, I really could not care less if you are a Republican, hardcore conservative. I have clients that are hardcore conservatives. I have clients that are hardcore liberals and Democrats. I have clients that are um libertarians and whatever else you'd like to call yourself, I really could care less. I don't really identify with any political ideology. But I I do believe in facts. And I'll tell you a quick story about something that happened in the past week that can kind of perfectly sum up my concerns with this whole prescription drug thing and perfectly sum up how it relates to Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act. I had some clients, uh, I had some prospects come in, some some potential clients in the last week or so. Um, they were not from America, which is fine. I could care less. I don't really know where they're from, though. Um, but they were they were foreigners, which is fine. Um, they had lived in the country for some amount of time. I don't know exactly how long. I think they had lived in a couple different places. Um, the way that it works for under 65 insurance is this. For under 65 insurance, you typically can either get a marketplace plan, and if you're under a certain income level, then you can qualify for what's known as an in, as, as a premium subsidy. And the premium subsidy will basically help pay your premiums. And you might get dinged on your taxes for it the next year or so, but that's something you can get if 
your income is low enough. If you're in too high of an income bracket, you just pay fully out of pocket. Now, the reason why I say Obamacare has been a travesty is because the premiums are enormous. Enormous. Enormous without these without these premium subsidies. So, but for these people, they qualified for one. So I asked them what their yearly income was. They told me. I plugged it in. They were just on the line. They just barely qualified for something. They barely qualified for anything at all. But what I was able to find is they were able to qualify for roughly about a $300 a month premium subsidy. And the cheapest plan they could get with this premium subsidy brought it down to about $170 a month in premium with about an $8,000 deductible. They proceed to go into a rant and lecture me about why, how our system is so broken and so awful and um, how horribly evil Republicans are and um, why we need um, socialized health care and all this stuff, right? Like I said at the beginning, I do not care what your political beliefs are, but one thing I do absolutely do hate, and the quickest way to get under my skin is to basically come in here and shove your politics down my throat. I'm not here to talk to you about politics. I don't give a rat's ass. Because you and I could talk about this until we're blue in the face. And we're still not going to have socialized medicine! My approach towards it is this. If If socialized medicine is so great, why the hell are you here? No one's forcing you to stay here. Go, leave, get out. Go somewhere where it is and see how horrible that it is. I've made multiple episodes about socialized medicine. In 2018, 80,000 Canadians, 60,000, 70,000, somewhere in that number, 60 to 80,000, I don't remember the exact number, but um, 60 to 80,000 Canadians who had access to free socialized medicine came to the United States and just paid out of pocket to get surgeries done and treatment because their socialized medicine is so bad they could not afford to wait the taxes are enormous people say well christian what about switzerland switzerland has a 60 percent tax rate i would be willing to bet for a majority of us that would cost a lot more than our premiums if we paid that much in taxes even if even for those of us that pay the the largest amount of premiums definitely for these people Anybody that believes in socialized medicine is just completely naive. Point blank. They're naive. It doesn't work anywhere that it is. I've never talked to anybody that lives in one of the countries that offers it that says good things about it. I have clients that have moved here from from England to get away from it because the quality is so bad and so poor. Basically, picture this. Picture every hospital is the DMV. Does the DMV give good customer service? No. That's basically what socialized medicine would be. All the workers would be government employees not giving a a damn about you. Not to mention, typically you're looking at 60 to 70% taxes to pay for this. And it's still not enough. So, anyway... Didn't want this to turn into that conversation. But anyway, that's my feeling about it. But I have a lot of clients that believe in it, and it's fine. We can agree to disagree. We don't even need to talk about it. It's fine. Reasonable minds can differ. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to be mad at you. That's fine. I don't, it's okay. 
And so basically the entire time they're, they're, they're preaching to me and trying to shove this down my throat, I'm trying to steer the conversation back to what we're actually there to talk about, their health insurance, not fantasy land. I'm trying to do it in a nice and respectful way as possible. And it turned into them taking personal attacks to me, which at that point I kind of stopped caring at that point. And then I got a little angry. I had never, ever in my whole career met with anybody that's been as disrespectful to me as these people have, ever. So they, you know, me trying to steer the conversation back to where it's supposed to go, I say, well, there's not much anything we can do about it, nothing I can do about it. Basically trying to say that this is what's available, I don't make the rules, more or less. Shooting the messenger kind of thing. And, you know... The husband gets very, very aggressive with me, gets in my face almost and says, there is something you can do about it. You can vote, which I do vote. I took that almost as like a personal attack. I kind of felt like he's just making assumptions about me that I don't vote. So I said, I do vote. I started to get a little snarky at this point because I don't get, I I don't have time for this. I'm a busy person, a very, very busy person. So So I go forward and I say, I do vote. And I didn't vote for Obama, who passed the Affordable Care Act, hence the term Obamacare. The system we have today is because of that. Now, don't get me wrong. Was the system before that perfect? No. Did it need some corrections? Yes. It was the system where the insurance companies can ask health questions and, they, and the people could, that really needed the health care couldn't get it. I'm not saying that the, was the correct answer either, but the Affordable Care Act was certainly not the correct answer. You're trading one problem for another. Nothing got better. It just was one problem for another. It might be better for some people, but worse for others. And when I said that, these people lost their you-know-what. They were clearly Obama supporters, which I don't care. I don't care. I just the whole just thinking about the conversation is just exhausting to me. But it is a fact. Whether you're Republican, Democrat, Obama passed the Affordable Care Act. We've had it for about a decade. Roughly. We know what it is, and it's a tragedy. We've had it long enough. There's been enough of the sample size to know that it's been an absolute catastrophic, horrific thing. Because the coverage is garbage unless you are poverty level. And you can get you can't get any decent coverage without paying thousands and thousands of dollars a month in premium unless you are basically poverty level and you qualify for a humongous subsidy. But these people were so naive that they did not even know that he's the one that passed the Affordable Care Act. Um, so they just start arguing with me, and they're just like, you know, they really start getting nasty at this point. Then they start personally attacking me, and they say, well, you've never been out of your, the country, so you wouldn't know. They're basically making an assumption about me because I'm a white American, that I've never been out of the country. I call that racist. With all of the um, racial uh, sensitivity going on in our country right now, how is that not racist? They're making an assumption of me because of the color of my skin. I proceed to say, well, as a matter of fact, and for your information, I've been to seven countries. I've been to Malaysia. I've been to Singapore. I've been to China. I've been to Japan. I've been to Canada. I've been to Mexico. I've been a lot of places for your information. 
I've never in my entire career had anyone treat me so disrespectfully ever. And it came to the point where I just basically was at the point where I was like, I don't want your business. I don't want you as a client. You can stew. You know, you can basically sit in a corner staring at the wall, thinking about how horrible America is, even though you live here. You're absolutely moronic if you're that type of person. America's so bad, but you live here, you don't leave. Like, there's some kind of mental brain damage there. But yeah, my my whole thought process for those people is I'm not going to help you. I refuse. Because if you're an asshole to me, I'm not going to work with you. I don't have to. I'm not your slave. I'm not your servant. I'm not your your whipping boy. Comes from mutual respect. I show respect to you. I expect you to show respect to me. But the point I'm trying to make, and and the and and the and the way that this has to do with Obamacare and the drug prices is, what Obama did was he took all the health questions out of it, which sounds on paper like a good thing, and the insurance companies have to take everybody, but it caused all the premiums to skyrocket and go through the roof and the benefits to go down the toilet. Now we have hugely expensive plans with hugely high deductibles, which in turn brings garbage insurance. That's my concern about the drug prices. If you put a cap on the drug prices, you could see the prescription drug plans premiums skyrocket and go through the roof. Same kind of aspect. Cause and effect, domino effect. We still don't know exactly what's going to happen. Nothing's in stone. We'll have to see what happens, but I'm not saying that it's not a problem. I'm not saying that there's not something that needs to be done about it, but like the Obamacare story a decade ago, it needs to there, there needs to be a very creative solution. And I don't I personally don't even know what it is. But I think it needs to be creative, and I don't think it's just as simple as saying you have to do this or else. Anyway, folks, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, hope I didn't get too political for any of you. Like I said, I really don't care. I'm not one side or the other. But I do pay attention to actually what goes on. And I think you can relate what's going on right now to the whole Obamacare thing. Whether you like Obama, hate Obama, I really could care less. I do not care. But I don't think anyone um, with any sense or reasonable reasonable outlook on this can deny that Obamacare has been an absolute flop. It's been a travesty the last decade. And that's just, it is what it is. Anyway, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please do me a favor. And if you're on Medicare, about to be on Medicare, give us a call, 801-255-5340, 801-255-5340. And if you'd like some help, we work with all the biggest insurance companies available in the industry. We work with people in 10 states. Those would be Utah, Colorado, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, California, Texas, Florida, South Carolina, and Virginia. Again, that's Utah, Idaho, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, California, Texas, Virginia, South Carolina, and Florida. Anyway, folks, we'll have a hopefully not so political episode next week for you on Monday. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, Hope you have a fantastic week. Until next time, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Take care.